Welcome once again to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management. I'm Darren Long, your host for today, and as always by my side, Jeremy Wiseman, Vice President of Guildhall Wealth Management. And Jeremy, we have a lot to get through on this week's show. It's going to be exciting. I want everybody to know that this particular show is going to be a lot about reflection, and we're going to talk about the 10-year anniversary of the now-defunct Lehman Brothers situation, what it meant to the rest of the world, the economic turmoil that followed that 2008 and 2009 financial breakdown, meltdown, some would call it, and where we are today. Take stock. Have we moved ahead? Have we repaired the damage? Are people back to somewhat of a norm? And there's a lot to say about that. And I think before we get started, Jeremy, Let's give a big thank you and uh, a very warm thank you to everyone that attended the Money Show on the weekend at the Metro Toronto Convention Centre. We were there on Friday and Saturday for the whole show. It was well attended and certainly the follow-up is now well underway at Guildhall and it is an awesome opportunity to get out and talk to people in the public and I'm sure you, like myself, enjoyed that a lot, being able to connect. Yeah, and uh, upon talking with a lot of the visitors who came to our booth over the past weekend, um, we were just, you know, getting feedback. What'd you think? We had lots of conversations. You were looking at different things throughout the uh, trade show. What uh, what was your takeaway? And, and what I found, uh, one of the largest takeaways is we were showing uh, at our booth, Darren, the gold price performance over the last 15 years against a backdrop of, um, I think it was about 10 major currencies. And uh, everyone said that was sort of the big, wow, didn't realize that gold had done that well and was that steady of a commodity given that, you know, it's basically had three down years in 15 years. Uh, we're a little down uh, in this year. Although the year's not over and uh, it's not down by much. So uh, it, I think that was the big takeaway. And also meeting us in person. Uh, I was surprised to hear how many people listened to the radio show and that they they knew us uh, very well from from this show and that uh, it was great to, to meet us face-to-face at the at the money show. All right, let's get the show started then. one silver is the number to call. We use it often, folks. You know that number. The website is guildhallwealth.com. For those that are new to this show, we welcome you aboard. We talk about everything related to physical gold, silver, and natural fancy colored diamonds, among other hard assets. But those are our expertise areas, and we're glad to have you listening this week. And as always, I will remind everyone, we are not your financial planners or advisors. Past performance of gold, silver, natural fancy colored diamonds is not necessarily indicative of what we'll see going forward. And as always, do your due diligence. Understand the investment before you make the investment, whether that's an investment in homes, real estates, gold, silver, anything you invest in, folks. So as we talk through this show this week, Jeremy, it's all about reflection. We had the chance to talk to a lot of people at the Money Show. Hundreds and hundreds of people passed through our booth. It was a wonderful opportunity to get reconnected with the public, and we enjoy that a lot. And you're right. I was amazed at how people viewed gold and silver, and then after a couple of minutes of talking, almost did a 360, if you will, not a 360, a 180, and thought to themselves, you could see the look on their faces, hmm, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that in Canadian dollars, the price of gold since 2002 has averaged 9%. Wow. Half my investments haven't averaged 9%. 
or in U.S. dollars, 7.5% or a little bit more than that. And I think what people were trying to come to terms with is that maybe they came down to that show for a different reason. Maybe they wanted to hear about marijuana stocks or maybe they thought they wanted to look into some other type of investment that was highlighted at the money show. But they left feeling as though gold and silver should be part of my portfolio. And I think that that was not so much the way we approached it, but them looking at the hard data and realizing where we are and it's reflection that is the key component of that in looking back at 10 years of history, which now teach us a very fine lesson that uh, the world is on very shaky, unstable ground and that what we've seen in the last decade is now just a world built on debt. It's nothing more. Yeah, I think uh, we want to look at what's happened in the last 10 years. We know that in 2008, we had a major credit crisis and uh, central banks worked together. Uh, You know, if we take a a page out of Nomi Prinz's book, Collusion, they colluded together to lower interest rates and print gobs of money. So you had interest rates dropping from 6.5% down to basically zero, and you had uh, central banks just printing money like crazy to to the tune of, you know, we know that four and a half trillion from the Federal Reserve. We know that other central banks around the globe also printed a lot of money to just try to get get the economy and the banking system lubed up again with money and, and just kind of create that liquidity again. Uh, but when we skip ahead 10 years on, we see that in Europe, they're basically still at zero uh, and negative interest rates. And that in North America, they're essentially one interest rate away from popping the everything bubble. I, I don't think that people people know just how how tenuous the situation and fragile the economy is, but everyone does seem primed to take a lot of risk, and central banks are not helping with that. They're, they seem to be uh, encouraging it still. Well, here's the fun thing about central banks, and this is what we get exposed to in the world of gold and silver. Folks, prior to 2010, believe it or not, central banks around the world were net sellers of gold, meaning they were dumping more gold into the market. It was controlled. There is an agreement, an arrangement, if you will, a selling arrangement prior to 2010 that was coordinated by the IMF, which basically gave the quotas in full to all the central banks around the world of what they were allowed to sell into the open market. Now, some analysts have argued that that helped to kind of oppress prices. And others have argued, no, that's really the central banks around the world saying that gold was no longer necessary and painting a picture that paper was the future. And that it looked great. Now, 2008 and 2009 happens. And let's just, for the sake of argument, stop using those two years. The financial meltdown that happened in the late uh, decade of last uh, of the last 2000s there was incredibly important because what we get out of that is a change. In fact, central banks, although they've told us that paper is the future and that they've 
suppress the paper issue. In fact, money has been in printing of money and the backing of financial institutions and growing those financial institutions into too big to fail and the leaders of those institutions into too big to jail power-hungry leaders has really been a mandate. In other words, they've become net buyers now of gold as their sole protection mechanism if all else fails. And you've seen that around the world now. And again, 2018 is a perfect example of that where gold has become an important part of central bank's foreign exchange reserves. According to the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. At the end of the first half of 2018, banks collectively owned U.S. $1.36 trillion worth of gold, around 10% of their global foreign reserves. Hmm. Now, isn't it funny, Jeremy, that we've been on this very show talking with just tons and tons of people, dozens of analysts on this very show talking about the percentage of exposure an average investor might want to look at having in their portfolio and it's around 10, 15%. Yep. That's for good reason, folks. It's not a number that's made up out of the uh, out of thin air. It is looking at what the established norms of the financial world are doing, and central banks almost all the time win because either they can pad their losses because they can print money, or they're knowing ahead of time what the markets are telling them and what they're doing, uh, they own gold. So this is a big theme right now. And of course, this year is no exception. They are still net buyers of gold. Yeah. And I think that essentially we have to look at where we are in the cycle. Um, There was an article put out by with an interview uh, with former Prime Minister uh, Gordon Brown from from England. And of course, he was before that, he was the finance minister um, in England. And he was well known in our circles, Darren, for being the one who sold off half of England's gold at the very bottom. $250 an ounce. And it was called Brown's Bottom. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the sort of the, the themes behind that is that he sold it to help Goldman Sachs out with, with a, a short that they had. Or, you know, we don't know for sure, but what we do know is that he sold off half the gold at the bottom of the market, which created the bottom in 1999. And subsequently became the leader of Britain, right? Right. I mean, uh, as a thank you, kind of, yeah. you know. Like some would say that was stupid, but, but that was know. very, econo- uh, politically go, very Brown, smart. Right. But um, the, the article title is, quote, the world is sleepwalking into a financial crisis. So I think in the next segment, Darren, let's pick up on this idea of where we are 10 years later. How are, cent- how are central banks positioned to handle the if, when, next major crisis? And how far away is that crisis What's going to trigger it, and what does that mean to gold and silver in the overall scheme of things? All right, let's, before we go to break, make it very clear. This past week at Guildhall, and if we couple in the first few days of this week, we're taping the show on Thursday, uh, this has been the most gold sold in a two-week stretch at Guildhall since its opening. So we are happy to say that that's coming on the heels of not the high-end gold prices, It's actually when we talk about value pricing, where it's been in a nice consistent range around the 1200 mark and any little downtick has been absorbed by buying. And we're happy to report and congratulations to those that have bought. We're happy to report that, you know, those gold orders are on the way. I mean, we're getting a ton of gold in literally. I mean, it's, we're having to reorder constantly, but it's super impressive to see people responding calling in and saying, hey, 
yeah, I see it. I see what you're saying. It's time to own. So with that in mind, folks, before we go to break, remember, you can have gold and silver and simply take it home with you, whether it's a small bar, whether you're starting with grams, 10 grams, five grams, or whether you want to start with an ounce or 10 ounces, you can do however you like. Go to the online e-store that we have that you can access via our website at guildhallwealth.com and make a purchase. Sign up, get delivery of your product. Anything over $1,000, of course, is free shipping. We've had that and we'll continue to have that there at the site. If you'd like to have your product stored, increase your liquidity, be able to buy and sell on a phone call, have expertise at your fingertips with all of the crew at Guildhall, then of course you might want to consider a depository storage account. Cost of storage is very minimal. It's 100% insured. You get to visit your product. Your serial numbers are provided and you can audit that product anytime you like. If however, you want to go a step further and have a combination of different types of holding. It's all physical folks, but this product can actually be put into your registered accounts. Let me say that again. If you have an RRSP and you'd like to take a portion of it and get gold in there, we can help you to do that. Silver, gold, a combination of both. We can help you do that with any type of RSP from Liras and Riffs. For those that are close to retirement, that rollover phase can be very daunting and challenging to get through without any certainty of what the next step should be. Let us help you and guide you through that and get some physical gold or silver into an RSP. And for those that haven't done it, open a TFSA. It's one of the most exciting ways to uh, start generating uh, long-term wealth for you and your family and both you and your wife, your partner, your family, the kids, they can all have a TFSA. And if you qualify for the maximum, that means you can put as much as $57,500 into that TFSA right now or use an existing one to get some gold and silver into that umbrella of tax-free uh, capital gain free savings. So that's another option. And when we come back from the show, Jeremy, we will expand this discussion on the reflection of what has been in the past 10 years and what it means going forward, as well as silver, uh, coin sales shooting through the moon. A lot to say about that and much, much more on the real money show with Guildhall wealth management. And you are listening on global news radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management. The number to call, one 878 silver or go over to guildhallwealth.com. And while you're there, sign up for the free Precious Metals newsletter that we send out on a weekly basis. Your connection to everything Precious Metals and what we talk about on the show as well as the side effect of being able to expose you maybe to something that you didn't know a lot about. That and the investor kit are free, folks. If you want that, go over to guildhallwealth.com or call the number and ask for the free investor kit. And the newsletter is really a curated uh, letter showing some of the best articles of the week or of the year, and great charts uh, will often show some uh, promotions that we're having as well, get a feel for what's happening at Guildhall. But I think for anyone who is new to the market and wants to get a little bit of a different perspective, I think this is a great way to not waste time searching on, on the web, but to find a couple key articles every week that you can really sink your teeth into and have some, some great knowledge to take away. All right, back to reflection, Jeremy. We spent the first segment of the show discussing 
the 10-year anniversary of the meltdown of the Lehman Brothers and subsequently the financial meltdown that followed in the U.S. and the contagion that has continued to engulf certain parts of the world and the change in wealth, particularly as it relates to the 1% and the divide we now see in most of the G20 societies, which is growing, meaning to say that for those that had very well-constructed and very healthy middle class, we're seeing that start to shrink. And that reflection is so important because as we noted in the first half, gold sales to central banks have had their best first half in 2018 since 2015, meaning that's the trend that's continuing. It's that they're not buying. A, they're buyers. They are net buyers, folks. Make no mistake about it. If the banks are doing something behind the scenes, whether it's owning a type of uh, sector or owning a particular stock, you bet your bottom dollar you should be taking a look at that, giving it its due diligence and determining whether that's right for you. Because if central banks are buying, they're not telling you about it. So let's let's create a little bit of a, um, a two sides to this. You have the Lehman Brothers happen the the central banks uh, Bernanke somehow gets all others uh, a bunch of other central banks to collude with him and he bails out some of the major banks they end up calling them too big to fail none of them get punished no one goes to jail no other bank goes under and what do you, what's the result since then well we know that the fed has not paid off their balance sheet one iota it's four and a half trillion plus and if they do they've stopped reporting it anyway so we assume that they're not paying anything down what else has happened? Well, the Fed gave gave way to cheap, cheap money. And who gets access to cheap, cheap money, Darren? But the first people closest to the major banks. So you have the bankers themselves, you have their friends, their corporations. And so you have CEOs who've borrowed money on behalf of their companies, um, bought back their own stock, pushed their own stock up, not necessarily getting productivity out of that company, but just getting a higher stock value so they get a bigger bonus at the end of the year. And so the 1% grows. So now you've got this growing 1% of wealth within the 1%. And then you have the rest of the middle class who, as you can, anyone can go to betterdwelling.com. We go there every week. It's a, it's a, a real estate blog, betterdwelling.com. And the re- most recent article was just showing how Canadians are borrowing more than ever from equity from their homes. So what does that mean? That means that the top 1% have gotten crazy rich. You know, even Mnuchin last week put his house, his apartment in New York up for sale. It was $33 million. He paid $11 million for it. The, the 1% get richer. The rest of the middle class are getting sucked dry of their, of their uh, wealth uh, through inflation, which we can talk about. Tariffs are very inflationary. Uh, they're just borrowing from, from their equity, which means debt. Um, how is that wealth growth? It's not. And so you have these haves and have-nots growing and growing, but the central banks are raising interest rates. So now uh, being able to take care of your loan payments, it's getting worse and worse. And they know that this is happening. They're paying attention, folks. So the delay in rising interest rates has only exacerbated the actual outcome long term. For the middle class. The middle class is going to be the class that gets hit the hardest with higher interest rates. The 1% will always survive as they did before. Now, I'll tell you, if you're talking about central banks and we're looking at the buying of gold, 
Jeremy, what are the other indications besides gold that say, for example, silver are also, uh, is also experiencing uh, an uptick? I mean, I know you watch the silver eagle sales, which is the most frequently sold silver coin in the world. Where are we getting with that right now? Yeah, so I think we, we just before we get to silver eagle sales, I just want to finish the point about you're seeing the growth of the 1%, you're seeing the middle class being hollowed out, and then you see central banks acquiring gold. And you're wondering, okay, well, why are they why are they borrowing gold? Aren't we back to the party? Aren't we back to the fiat currency party? They've borrowed a lot of money. Everyone's doing great, but they're not doing great. It's because what happens when the next crisis hits, it's not going to be about, well, let's just collude with the with the Fed again, and we'll you know the Bank of International Settlements will will give us the okay on this, and and it'll be just the birth of a bigger bubble. That's not going to happen. You're seeing trade wars. You're seeing tariffs being put on. You're seeing tensions rise. You're seeing the emerging economies having difficulty paying back the U.S. dollar, US dollar debt with higher interest rates. It's going to get ugly really fast. We're going to talk about that more in just a few minutes. But yeah, Darren, while the central banks are buying gold, there's silver, which is the people's gold, which is being bought like crazy. Uh, to the point that we are seeing delivery delays. We had people asking, I was taking phone calls, people were saying, are you seeing delivery delivery delays? Not sure what you're talking about. But when I, I speak to clients this week, it's okay, well, those those orders are tough to fill or we can fill that small order. And by the way, the company that uh, over here, they're not, they don't have any product till next week. Um, but we did see Silver Eagle sales in September rise to 1,962,500 coins. So That's far. So far. In August, it was it was 1.5 million. In July, it was 885,000. We have to go back to April to see 915,000, same in March. So you're seeing a tune of, of probably an average of over a million silver eagles being sold every month and when the mint runs out or they decide they don't want to sell they can skew the numbers a little bit but we see that the demand is there so just like you were mentioning last segment darren about gold that we've had a great uh, uh sales on gold with the drop in price savvy investors coming into the market clearly you're seeing the same thing on the silver side of things that people people i think I think what it is is that people are starting to realize that the risk in gold and silver is very, very low. You see a long-term chart of gold. You see how undervalued gold is. You see the returns on gold over the years. You see how it protects against inflation. You say, wow, it's not. it doesn't feel like a risk to own physical gold in my portfolio, but there are definitely definite risks in other aspects of the market, and so gold becomes a great way to hedge. I think that the central banks are hedging not necessarily for inflation's sake, but I think they're hedging more for the change in the financial system, which is going to occur when trust uh, gets sucked out like a vacuum from the, from the, the global economic sphere. And if we're smart and listening to this and paying attention, these are the moments in time in which, especially as value investors ourselves, we have found that gold and silver ownership can be the very, very important base of a great long-term portfolio moving forward. So this week, again, reiterating the importance of following what the market is telling us, 
We are not your financial planners. We're not your advisors. So you have to make the decision for yourselves. But 10, 15, 20% allotment to physical gold and silver in your portfolio may be the best decision you ever make. And to get that done, I want to remind people that they can just simply give us a call, one eight seven seven eight silver or go over to guildhallwealth.com. There you can own that product, take it home physically, hold it in your hands. All of our investments are all physical. Whenever you're buying and selling at Guildhall, there is product being moved, whether that's from one skid to another or from one location to another. The logistics are always involved, and that's what makes it so important to understand the difference between paper and physical. We are in the physical market, and if you want to put this into your portfolio, you have a number of ways to do it through Guildhall. Yeah, and the idea of physical is it's about reality. Gold is real. It's about understanding the difference between the illusions out there and the reality out there. Um, you know, if you need insurance, you don't go invest in an insurance stock. You actually have to go out and get real insurance. This is real insurance for your wealth. And uh, yes, you can do paper versions of it, but those have counterparty risk associated. And if you're going to have wealth that is protected, you need the real thing. And I will tell you this, as an investor for over a decade in precious metals, I don't necessarily keep track of what I've paid for gold over the years, but I certainly keep track of how many ounces I have and what it can what it can buy today versus what it bought 10 years ago. And I can see where this market's headed. And I can tell you at the current rate, it's undervalued. In my opinion, I think silver is even more undervalued because silver amplifies what's happening in the gold market. And I think that there's a tremendous opportunity right now to get involved in this market at the lows, which means low risk entry point, low cost entry point. Margins have never been lower in the market as well. And so you've got every reason to at least dip a toe in the water to get started. And you can do that physical, just take it home. You can store it in our vault in Toronto or even store it over uh, offshore in Cayman Islands, or you can put it into a registered account, which to me, it never ceases to amaze me when you can hold, go to the vault, audit your own product, and hold the gold and silver that's in your RSP. When was the last time you held a stock? Never. A certificate. It's not real. You need to take delivery of a certificate, right? I mean, you don't even do that anymore because that decreases liquidity. You can't sell this stock if you don't, if you're holding it in your hand. Right. So, I mean, you know, most people in the modern day don't even realize, you know, what it is they're doing. But the reality is here that that is an opportunity, folks. And gold and silver is that opportunity for you to take, add into the portfolio, give yourself some insurance for your wealth, and uh, do it very easily by calling the number 18778Silver. That's 18778Silver or going over to guildhallwealth.com and requesting the free investor's kit or getting on to the Precious Metals newsletter. Now, when we come back in the third segment, we're going to talk more about the anniversary of the Lehman uh, Brothers collapse and the financial calamity that followed. We're going to talk about post-Lehman, a legacy and what it means to gold. We have some things to say about where we're going in terms of pricing and why right now might be the reasons behind what might be the best buying period in you know, maybe history. I'm not sure about that, Jeremy, but I'm in the last couple of weeks, having been through the period that we've been through at Guildhall and congratulations to those that have bought and seeing, well, the prices are in this range, not at some astronomical high, people actually come to their senses and buy what has been the largest amount of gold sold by Guildhall in a two-week uh, span. 
it tells me one thing. People, number one, are paying attention. Number two, they're getting excited about the long-term activity of the marketplace. And three, which we'll focus some time on in uh, segment number three, I think they're starting to realize they have to be careful. They have to have enough diligence, due diligence done, and know where the market is. And they're saying, yeah, I can invest in that marijuana stock or I can take a look at that cryptocurrency. But you know what? I better have some of this just in case. And we'll state the reasons why that just in case is so important when we come back in uh, segment number three. You're listening to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management. Once again, I'm Darren Long from Guildhall and alongside as he is every week is Jeremy Wiseman, the Vice President of Guildhall Wealth Management. Paul is very busy this week. Jeremy, as we mentioned, this two-week stint has been extremely incredible for uh, buyers of gold in particular. I guess with the mentality now out there that this is the value range, that this is the agreed-upon point in time where we could potentially see a very big rally and the growing concerns for people's portfolio in terms of how fast everything has grown back to new and higher levels, this is the moment in time where people take stock of where they're at and start to say, it wouldn't be a bad idea to have a little extra insurance, let alone buy gold at 1200 potentially seeing it go to three, four, five thousand in the next few years. So this is that moment in time. So again, a big congratulations to anyone that is listening to the show that bought over these last two weeks and welcome aboard. Uh, we're glad to have you. And as the commercial says, you get everybody at Guildhall with your purchase. So we are happy to have you as part of Guildhall and certainly there for you in, in every sense of the way that we can be. And that number that they originally called is one eight seven seven eight silver or they went over to that website, guildhallwealth.com. There's so much information there. We could probably do a whole show just on our website about the things that we've done over the years to help people understand these markets better and let alone getting into gold and silver, but also the increase demand and the supply and where all of that is at, Jeremy, it's so important to make sure people know we've been around since 2008 and the idea is still the same. It's insurance for your wealth. Since 2002, actually. Well, the the show has been on since 2008. We've been open since 2002. You're absolutely right. Um, but, uh, you know, we also have made it so easy over the years to help investors acquire physical precious metals. Um, for example, on our e-store, guildhallpreciousmetals.com, we find uh, a lot of people like using e-transfers uh, to, to make their payments because if they're uh, acquiring a little bit at a time, you know, under $2,000, which is a great place to start buying a few 10-ounce bars of silver, for example, or 50 silver maples, it's so easy to just, you know, you send your, your e-transfer it clears right away and you can come pick up your product the next day or we can deliver it the next day with tracking numbers fully insured. We ship uh, using um, Canada Post. And uh, we do have other payment methods, of course, but uh, it's so easy. Go online, pick some product, take delivery. And if you're doing that on small amounts uh, on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, you'll be surprised how your stack of silver or gold can grow over the course of several months. All right, Jeremy, we've been reflecting on the 10-year or decade of time that has passed since the Lehman Brothers collapse and the subsequent uh, marking, I guess, of one of the most prevalent economic meltdowns that we've seen certainly in our lifetime and where we've come since that time. Let's remind folks quickly how 
2007 and 8 occurred and what maybe has changed since then that's led us to believe maybe there are parts of the future that are that are going to get better so i think uh the first thing anyone would want to know is about uh, Glass-Steagall, which was uh, repealed in, in uh, the 90s. And that basically led the banks to take a lot of risk. And so risk built up in the system, credit built up in the system. And uh, that led essentially to, to what happened, which was the subprime crisis. and, and Indebtedness. Indebtedness. Mm-hmm. And when that all happened, the, the, the difference is that because the debts were that much bigger than they'd ever been because of the repealing of Glass-Steagall, Ben Bernanke had no... He did what the Fed does. Their job is to bail out those big banks, the, the major banks, those that are part of, that are basically owners in the Fed, like J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs. They are partners of the Fed. So, Not to mention the countless other banks around the world that they bailed out on top of that that nobody knew about at tr- that time. True, but that was sort of a, a tit for tat, you help us out, you support us on this, we'll give you money, mm-hmm. right? So that's how also a lot of these... Uh, emerging economies ended up with money that they that they now owe back yeah, ten years later, of course. right? Well, the public doesn't care either. I mean, they're not paying. No, but this also stuff. remember that we were, were reporting on this show throughout that crisis of how many small banks in the states were going out of business, while the big banks got bigger and bigger to the tune of like over three hundred banks went under and and consolidated up to uh, the major banks still around. So there you go. Well, I mean, in that excessive indebtedness. Uh, just meant that banks had way too much debt and too little equity. And we remember at that time preaching on this very show to folks to pay attention to that lack of capitalization in the banking system. We were talking about for every $10 that goes into the bank, how many actual physical dollars there were. Well, at one point in time, it used to be nine out of every $10 was physical. And then it slipped down to seven and then it became four. And then by the time the peak of that financial calamity occurred, it was one for every $10 being put in was physical. And because they borrowed four and a half trillion from the Fed or four trillion from the Fed, they were able to capitalize. So yes, they are more capitalized today than yeah, they, they were, were back then. Sure, but it's but it's the fact that the debt in the US has gone from what, eight trillion to twenty one trillion. Yeah, they plus. just passed the buck, right? It's the government that's now way more in debt. Correct. And, the, and, the, and you know, yes, people have uh of have consciously seen the the need and the necessity to change their habits, but that was just in the few years following that calamity. Now we're right back on path and in many cases far beyond what we were in total debt. We've got $40 trillion more in debt than we had in 2007 yes, Emerging economies owe $50 trillion and the global debt is now, I think, like $250 to $60 uh, The article that came out, Darren, with uh, Gordon Brown... Um, with the Guardian, you know, he was talking about the differences between 2008 and where we are today. And he just said that, um, for example, the cooperation that was seen in 2008 would not be possible in a post-2018 crisis, both in terms of central banks and governments working together. Remember, Bernanke colluded, right? Everyone colluded with, with Bernanke to get it all done. Today, we would have a blame-sharing exercise rather than a solving of the problem. This is a big, big point. I think if, if there was anything to kind of take away from today, it's that 
In 2008, everyone worked together, got it done. Let's get Bernanke on the on the cover of Time magazine. Today, with all of the credit that's been created, with all of the mess that's been created as a result, you look at the uh, populism of today and uh, protectionism that's occurring, you know, especially in the United States with uh, the tariffs and whatnot, that today would be a blame-sharing exercise. They would say, well, you started it or you started it. Where do we where do we pinpoint the, the beginning of this? Because it's not going to be with the major banks as it was in 2008. It's going to come from somewhere else. But he goes on to say that in an interconnected world, there is an escalation of risks. We have had a decade of stagnation and we are now about to have a decade of vulnerability. We don't know exactly where the next crisis is going to come from, but what we do know is the world is more indebted than ever before. We know that there's more risks being taken, and when you're at a point where risk is being taken and being taken lightly, you need to be vigilant. You need to be aware that, hey, wait a minute, people are just taking risk left, right, and center. I need to be prepared because the next crisis could happen tomorrow. one silver guildhallwealthcom it's the website and the phone number you can use to help yourself through that potential crisis. We can get physical gold and silver, platinum and palladium into your portfolio. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about colored diamonds today, Jeremy. And to be quite honest, because of what's happening around the world, it is just as much a part of what we do and the mentality that we push uh, forward. Uh, and we'll deal with that a little more in segment four today. But as you're discussing this, Let's just envision a better tomorrow. Let's just say that everything that they had repealed in terms of regulatory reform was doing the trick. It would certainly appear, without looking at the total amount of debt, that our standard of living hasn't been hurt, especially here in Canada. I see more of the high-end vehicles. I won't use their names. That's free advertising. But you know the cars I'm talking about that we didn't see a lot of in the 90s or in the 80s. see more of them on the market every day, and you drive beside them every day, and everybody seems to have the best of the best. And it's not... Like, you know, you go into a home and it used to be it had one main TV. Now there are four viewing areas in the home. It doesn't seem to me like people are living any less of a higher standard or that they're mining their P's and Q's. So you're right. I think that if you look underneath all of that, it's the truth, which is that the debt has increased. It's been drawn out of our uh, out of our credit cards. It's been drawn out of our lines. It's been drawn out of our homes, the worst place of all to take it. But if you look at the banks themselves, that total equity to total assets for the banks. You want it to climb as high as possible, meaning I always want to have for that one, you know, that $1 to $10 ratio, I want to have 9 to 10 or as close as it can be. It's only gotten 1% better than it was in 2008 with all the money they've put in to recapitalize banks. Really? One percentage oh, point surprising. better than it was. So that's a deadly- But it is better. <laughs> well, yeah, they'll argue that it is better, but it's not enough by any reasonable measure. And folks, the implication for gold and silver is extremely clear at this point in time. When another crash comes, it may quickly transform itself into a very substantial banking crisis, the likes of which will spread around the world. You've heard the term contagion. If banks don't have an adequate enough capital inside of their institutions, they will all do the same thing, which is scream that they need to bail out and you can't bail them all out. We're just not big enough. They're just not big enough. 
what is bailouts for the few will become austerity for the many. We've I, seen it happen around the world yeah. from Greece to all the other various countries and, and they're all going through it now. We talked about Venezuela yep. over the last number of weeks. It's brutal. And to think that it won't happen here at home in Canada or the U.S., why even entertain the idea? Have an asset which can protect you. Put a little bit into there. Take 10 or 15% of that 100000 portfolio and think about owning quality assets like gold and silver. There is a reason, folks, why gold and silver have stood the test of time. And another way to do it, Darren, is, is if you have a million-dollar portfolio, so you want to commit... Uh, $100,000 to precious metals, you could put 50000 into the precious metals, maybe put the other 50000 into a cash uh, account, get get you know your one and one and a half percent on the on the money that takes care of storage and plus some other costs of doing business but you're in the market another way to do that would be to finance allocate it so you have the physical product but you're putting up only 50 not the hundred thousand and you could have the same amount of product in the market working for you so I think this there's a lot of different ways to get involved in the market whether you're doing it on a regular basis uh, you know acquiring in smaller quantities whether you're just saying look let's Let's uh, change this up. Let's diversify the registered account portfolio, like a LIF or a RIF or the RSP. Uh, if you really like the opportunity that that you're hearing from us in terms of the silver story, then the TFSA would be great for that. And uh, of course, if you want to not put all of the funds at risk and keep yourself a little liquid, just in case, hey, look, if the price of silver comes down another dollar or two, um, you know, you're talking pennies to the downside and dollars to the up because we do believe that this market, by the way, inflation adjusted, Darren, to 1980. That $50 price range would be $120. We're going there. And I believe we're going there. We're going there. Back then, there there was 4 billion ounces of silver. Today, there's 1 billion ounces. And there's there's 7.5 billion people on the planet. All right. So let's get everybody into the market. Everybody's listening. You got a call. Like, let's do this. Let's give away a free gram of gold for every 5,000 you put into a registered account. We'll do that to a maximum of 10 grams for every 100-ounce bar of silver you buy. 100-ounce bar. Not 100 ounces, 100 ounce bar that you buy will give away one ounce maple. We'll do, it, we'll do it for the next couple of weeks, folks. And uh, that's our way of thanking you as a buyer for getting into the market, coming aboard with Guildhall. And uh, when we come back in the last segment, we'll talk a little bit about where we are with the Argyle Pinks and Diamonds in general. There's a lot of news. And uh, we'll kind of try to tie all of this together, this 10-year anniversary of the Lehman Brothers failure and the subsequent fallout that has happened, and really try to delve into where are we better off and what's going to happen and why you should be owning gold and silver. You are listening to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management. It is the fourth segment, and it's gone by fast today, but Jeremy, uh, again, we're at that moment in time. We're at the last segment of the show. We seemingly have to get a million things in to talk about and discuss. This has been an interesting show. Ten years after Lehman Brothers' failure and the subsequent fallout, which is generally marked as the Great Recession, they call. Are we better off? And we're trying to determine that. Yeah, and uh, you know, we're we have several articles here splayed out on the desk here, looking at all the reasons uh, Lehman ten years on, uh, because it is that anniversary. So we're going to make the newsletter this week all about ten years on. And so let's let is let's answer that question, Darren. Ten years on, is the economy better off? Are we better off? 
Well, I will say this. Massive indebtedness does not in and of itself guarantee that the whole world collapses, okay? It's a good sign. It's a great indication. And I will argue that in many cases where we are on paper looks better than what 2008 and nine was. There are many reasons we can make an argument. Economists will tell you there are several different key categories where we can do that. But if we look at, let's say, unemployment, 3.9% 3.9% versus the high after the fallout of around 9 to 10% in the US and here at home as close many say as close as 11 to 12% were not quite as low as the US we're up sitting around I think 5 or 6% but ultimately by paper better off well that's a falsity they measure unemployment statistics differently and you know uh, better having listened to this show long enough that what's the truth behind the headlines is often different than the headline and uh, that is easily arguable there is a notion out there that debt is good it staved off the elimination of an entire economy the whole western civilization could have collapsed many will argue that we were moments, maybe days, even a few weeks away from seeing a collapse of the financial system in the U.S. And there was sacrifice because of it. So and, was Lehman Brothers a good thing? And you could Many see, argue yes. And you could see how that has worked for some economies. That's you right. Know, you look at Japan and, and they they are the buyer of last resort. In fact, I think they're probably the majority shareholder in everything that's being purchased over there. So I will say, you know, I, I we've when it comes to talking on this subject, Darren, you know, Bill Holter, he talks about the fact that in the next crisis, you know, while while Gordon Brown says, sit back, get grab some popcorn and watch the blame game, Bill Holter saying, well, sit back and watch the quantitative easing unroll. Because, well, you know, I notice actually as well on our chart for gold and what it, what it's accomplished, um, inflation, you see Greenspan raising rates, gold going to, through double digits over the fact that he's raising rates up to 6%. Um, I think he got up to over 6.5%. And then all of a sudden the the uh, subprime happens and then gold continues to have double-digit gains. Well, we're seeing that inflation happening now. You've got interest rates rising. Yeah, that's it. That's and the you've problem got tariffs. right there. That's the, and you've got tariffs. Tariffs aside, because it's already a huge issue. But that raises problem. prices everywhere totally. across the board. It doesn't work, those tariffs. It's been proven beyond any reasonable explanation. And uh, it will continue to do so. But that Fed tightening cycle is the biggest problem going forward, especially in the emerging markets, because as the emerging markets get exposed to higher rates and stronger U.S. dollar, there's a fight that's on that's going on. They are ganging up on the greenback, and gold is one of the ways they're doing it. And central banks around the world are very aware of that. But the governments of advanced economies in all the G20 are in trouble. And they're either going to have to raise taxes, as many have done or begun to do, or they're going to have to print money, which is another problem, which is to say that people are getting bored of listening, but they continue to do it. Those are going to be two issues which lead to much, much higher prices in both gold and silver. So no, we're not better off. In fact, it's only the very 1% of people that weathered the storm that have gotten better off, or maybe the first 4 or 5%, but the middle class is shrinking. There's more poverty around the world than ever. There's more debt than we've ever had. And yet we want to 
glaze over that to say that, yeah, you know what? Things are good. I went out and bought a new iPod this week. It's not going to be bad, right? I bought yeah. a new iPhone for $1,500. It's pretty good, right? Versus the iPhone I bought six years ago at 700 bucks. I mean, that's inflation, folks. That's what happens. People will take as much as they can take. Corporations will charge as much as they can charge. And they're doing it based on the headline news, which is to say they don't care about what's swept under the rug. And you as an individual have to have a plan. You have to have that protection mechanism in your portfolio. So it doesn't matter about that debt or anything else. We have to look at it from a practical standpoint, protect yourself. Yeah. So, you know, when we're looking at what we've discussed today, we know that central banks lowered interest rates and the 1% got first dibs to the cheap money. Banks got bigger, corporations borrowed cheap money and bought back their own stocks, giving bigger bonuses out to the top employees. And the 1% got much, much wealthier. The middle class had to take risks in order to get some sort of return on their money. They moved into real estate. They've moved into cryptocurrencies. They've moved into stocks. The question is, is how long can those keep going? To one-way street, man. And to achieve a return. And they've survived. And then the middle class has survived on credit and home equity, hoping that their story, not the story on the mainstream, that their story turns around. Not to mention millennials. Millennials are not in the market in the full term, full time market the way um, you know the the generations before them are. And so that means less taxes coming coming forward. And in the states, you know, they when we look at the disparaged workers, those that uh, that have fallen off the statistics, you're at over 50 million unemployed in the states. So, you know, just because you don't report it doesn't mean they don't count. Um, in terms of precious metals, they have become a less risky investment given their current uh, price levels in the market, that they're historically being undervalued. And historically, they are the best way to hedge against inflation, which we are seeing now. How do you know it's inflationary? Fed's raising interest rates. Tariffs are causing higher prices across the board. So we do know that uh, the U.S. dollar, where does this all go, Darren? That central banks continue to acquire gold. They're hedging the the U.S. dollar's glo- credibility that is being lost while they make trade deals. All these central banks are making trade deals um, that they know that the U.S. dollar is being printed into oblivion. We know that the U.S. dollar is dangerously close to losing major value at this point. Gold protects against sovereignty, right? Uh, Current. Uh, nation's sovereignty and for the individual it's going to protect their wealth as well but there's tremendous opportunity from this market to go from undervalued up to to current value where it should be which in gold's case look across the board there's many that say gold should be trading in the 10,000 range um, just look at the figures for yourself if gold were to go to three or four thousand and silver were to go down to a 30 to 1 ratio the numbers are phenomenal great opportunity Well, let's look ahead, Jeremy. We know that path is one that was paved with debt, and that path is one which, if you look to the very end of that road, will be filled with gold. So if we are smart and we are listening and we are paying attention, we will take the opportunities that stands before us. It's value range, folks. It's the time of year to look at what you've done and look at where you're going, prepare for the last quarter. And uh, we hope that you'll give us some serious consideration and the ownership of gold and silver, some serious consideration. one silver or guildhallwealth.com is where we go. 
We have so much to talk about in Color Diamonds. We didn't get to it this week, and we apologize, suffice to say. I can now tell you with almost 100% certainty, we have a closing date for the mine that produces the most pink diamonds in the world, the Argyle Mine, and I'm going to share that with you. So be sure to tune in next week. We're going to be talking about it, and uh, we appreciate the fact that you've taken the time to be here with us this week on The Real Money Show with Guildhall Wealth Management. You've been listening to this show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto.